Ramp to shoot around continues. Jim Taddy with you till noon. Then it's Leafs Lunch with Andy Petrillo, followed by Game Day with Matt Cause, followed by Overdrive. We have commercial free halftime of Game Four tonight on TSN 1050 in the post game show. You can watch it on TSN 1, 3, 4, and 5. On scene is Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star. Bruce, welcome and how are you today, sir? Jim, I believe this is day 59 in a row, but I feel great. It's going to be a really interesting game, as all the games have been, and it is a beautiful day in San Francisco. Uh, this assignment, so day 59 in a row, I mean, what, what does this compare to it in your file of uh, past assignments? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever worked 59 days in a row before. I used to do the whole Eastern Conference playoffs and then the Stanley Cup final, and that could take a little over two months, but you'd get time home in between to just put up your feet for a few days if you got a sweep. So this is probably the longest I've gone, but it's also it's a lot more fun than covering a Washington Capitals Tampa Bay Lightning series. It's a lot more fun than, than kind of just it's just following teams around that aren't connected to the community in which you live. So at this point, it's like doing two Olympics back-to-back, maybe, or maybe more than that. But even so, uh, I can't complain about this. This has been one of the better runs that you can really go on. Yeah, especially with, with the Raptors in. And, and it's kind of a, an uneven comparison because the Raptors are in and the Leafs haven't been there for a long time, as we're painfully aware. But how would you compare the NBA final to the Stanley Cup final? Can you do that? It's hard because because it's my town that's in it. But yeah. in terms of just the overall atmosphere, um, part of it is the way Toronto has reacted to this final, I would say the only thing I've seen like that in a Stanley Cup final is maybe Nashville. When we were in Nashville for the Stanley Cup final, the town was nuts. And game nights especially, you felt it. And that's kind of what you've seen in Toronto is you really feel it. Um, in terms of the bigger picture... Um, the NBA Finals spread out a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more to kind of explore. But there's, there's a real energy around this final that just from afar, I'm not sure that the Bruins and the Blues have kind of captured. But again, that's partly because Toronto being in here for the first time against the Dynasty, it's, it, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot, of, a lot of things happening. And then you add a part owner of the Golden State Warriors putting his hands on a player during a game, and the level of crazy goes up a notch or two. Yeah, to that end, we had uh, Matt Steinmetz on. He's uh, one of the hosts on 95.7, the game flagship station of the Warriors. And he was sort of uh, thinking about how Kyle Lowry would be received at the start of the game tonight. And I thought, okay, so he went down the road of uh, should be a nice round of applause. And I thought that would be nice. I think another thing that would be nice would be that Mark Stevens' seat is unoccupied and stays unoccupied <laughs> until his, his suspension is over. Does that work? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. They announced this, the suspension, and they, they, I think they did this on purpose. I don't think these things happen by accident. We talked to the players yesterday, and some of the players were really strong about Mark Stevens and about what he did. Kyle Lowry said there's no place for that in this league. LeBron James, who won, probably didn't mind kind of throwing something at the Golden State Warriors, but two, is a principal guy. Um and who is a human starting gun for discussion in the NBA. If LeBron says something, it will go to ESPN and get into the bloodstream real fast. He said the same thing, that there's no place for this in the NBA. And the NBA waited until after the players had finished talking to announce that they had banned Mark Stevens for a year and fined him $500,000. Now, there was the one report that NBC said that 
people connected to the Warriors expected Stevens would likely be have to sell his shares. Well, we'll see. It's about $250 million, someone told me yesterday. Um, now there's not going to be a lot of talk of Mark Stevens because we're going to get a game. The game is going to overwhelm that. But as time goes on, it's going to be interesting to see if the players think that that's enough. Because, like, let's say in a year, nothing else is done, and Mark Stevens comes back and sits courtside in an NBA game. And I don't think he'll ever do that again. I don't think he'll ever put himself in that position again. But I'm not sure that players would accept a guy who, again, is a part owner of an NBA team who has put his hands on an NBA player. I'm not sure they're going to accept that being still a part of the game. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, you know, touching an athlete, shoving. I mean, this is a world that wouldn't, that shouldn't tolerate shoving anybody for any reason. Uh, when you're part of an ownership group and and it, it's an in-game play, I, I couldn't think of a more egregious situation. I mean, it's just all wrong. Well, and, and not only that, if you look at the bigger picture, one of the the top of mind ideas uh, when it comes to the NBA is the next collective bargaining agreement. Uh, because this is a league, there's a mutual uh, opt-out, I think, after 2023. So we're still a ways away. Um, they can go one more, and it's a, the end date, the maximum end date is 2024. But the league is very cognizant that they don't want to screw this up. They don't want anything that could make the players really mad. Um, as it is, and, and, and this, people will kill me for this, the players are, are massively underpaid. Like the, the stars in this league are still massively underpaid, even when they're making thirty-three or thirty-five or forty million a year. Even the supermax contract, because you think about the estimates are that the Toronto Raptors, for example, are making I don't know what it is. Let's say about twenty million per home date in the playoffs. Wow, they're going to make uh, if this series goes seven. I mean, you're looking at between four and five hundred million dollars next year. And that's because Kawhi Leonard exists, right? And Kawhi Leonard this year is not going to make anything commensurate to what he's actually generating for the team. But in terms of the CBA, the owners want to make sure this keeps rolling because they're making tons of ESPN money. And there aren't that many fault lines with the players that can really rupture open. The idea of ownership not, not respecting players and the idea of ownership in this political climate in the United States, and some players alluded to this, um, being openly contemptuous of players, and then you get into a racial dynamic there, and some players mention that. Um, that's something that I think the NBA finds very dangerous, and Mark Stevens all of a sudden is symbolic of that, even if that, if that was in no way his intent. Well, that's the world we live in, right? It's, it's not only what you do, it's how, you play, how it plays out and how it's perceived. And, you know, when you're offending people, your intentions are, are worth next to nothing. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm totally with you. And, and I like what you, you did there with the money situation because a lot of times uh, it's certainly pointed on, on the athlete for making whatever the individual makes is considered to be too much. But the original premise is uh, if the athlete's getting $30 million, the team's getting 31 The team always makes more money than the athlete gets. Well, and, and clearly, like uh, the amount of money that's in, that's kind of washing around the NBA right now is is kind of a vision of the future of sports as they get more important. It's a lot closer to the Premier League uh, in Europe than or in England rather than it is to the stuff we've seen here. Uh, but their importance, uh, like players' importance, like Toronto truly, I think now has an understanding of how important a superstar is. That's kind of been the lesson of Kawhi Leonard. What does a superstar mean for your franchise? And what we've seen is it's 
it, it, they can destroy the world and they can create the world. And that's kind of where Kawhi Leonard is, is without him, this run is a nice little run that concludes in the second round of the playoffs. And with him, these guys are two wins from a championship and he still hasn't played his best game. It's really been a remarkable thing. And in terms of the high end money, these guys make a lot of money and, and good for them. And I'm not comparing their worth to school teachers or doctors or nurses or the people who make society work. But in terms of how this whole thing works, this capitalist thing where people get paid what they earn and what they generate, a superstar is worth, if, if, if he was on the open market, Kawhi Leonard would get paid $100 million or more. And so would LeBron James and all these guys. And that's the thing that the players have kind of given up. And again, when we get back to it, I don't think Mark Stevens is going to derail the NBA CBA, but they, the, the league will do anything to keep that CBA from getting derailed from any direction possible. Well, he becomes a headline on a story that, that could go deep. Uh, let's move on to the game. I mean, you know, we always, uh, we're talked to, talking a lot about the, the, the wounded warriors, but when you see uh, Kawhi Leonard limp up to the podium after the last game, a little concern there, but somehow he finds a way to play through it. Well, and, and you got to beat the people in front of you, right? Like Kyle Lowry's left thumb is beyond repair. It's going to need surgery in the offseason. Um, but he's playing through it. He's just located it, and a couple times it hasn't been right. With Kawhi, you're right. He's not at 100%. You can see when he gets into traffic, he has trouble kind of finishing over people. You can watch him running in transition. You can see that he's not 100% there, and he still is gathering himself for what he can do with whatever that injury is. And hasn't had his best series and is averaging 29 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, a block. Uh, he's just an unbelievable player. But, I mean, it is true. The Warriors, the Warriors are missing an MVP-level guy, like in Kevin Durant. But that is the risk. It's really the only risk. When you have two MVP-caliber players and a defensive player of the year and a, a shooting guard who owns the record for points scored in a quarter – Golden State went all in on superstars, and that means that your depth gets compromised. And when Kevin Durant gets hurt, there's no – Alfonso McKinney isn't going to do it, right? And so this this Raptors team, if they beat the Warriors, um, I don't want to hear any talk of asterisk yeah. or anything like that because the Detroit Pistons won their second bad boys title when Magic Johnson and Byron Scott blew their hamstrings. And this Warriors team won their first title – when Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were hurt for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by the way, the team they beat in the conference final was missing either its second or third best player in Yusuf Nurkic. you got to beat who's in front of you, and you got to have the depth to overcome it. And so, like, yeah, Kawhi is not at his best. And I'm, the funny thing is I'm not sure they could have beat the Philadelphia 76ers without Kawhi at his very best. But this is a different animal. And if Clay Thompson's back tonight. That's been pretty much accepted, and we'll see – how limited he is, if at all, with his strained left hamstring. But the consensus around the series is it's getting awfully late for Kevin Durant to play. They were hoping he would scrimmage today, but there was no guarantee of that. And he might not scrimmage with anybody. We're not talking even with, with the starters on this team. With anybody getting out and running, it might not happen today. It could happen tomorrow or even the next day. I, if Kevin Durant comes back in the series, he will be limited and out of shape. And there is a real sense, and the Raptors have felt this since the beginning, that Kevin Durant's not coming back. But that's the Golden State Warriors that they're going to have to beat, and there will be no asterisk if they do. 
Uh, Bruce, when you look at the Raptors, I mean, there's just so many storylines that are intriguing. Uh, how the roster was built, who's on the roster, uh, the success, the constant evolution of the roster. What's your favorite part of? The, what's your favorite storyline for the Raptors? That's a really good question because there's a lot. Like you could yeah. say Kyle Lowry, because Kyle Kyle is a guy who was a late first round pick who lost starting jobs in Memphis and Houston. Who was when he got here? It was his third team. And he, he was basically a guy who not only was ready to bomb out of the league, but was a guy who didn't trust his teammates, didn't trust management. Everything was a chip on the shoulder, giant one. And that chip will never go away. And Kyle now has become a man and become a, a star and is on the verge after all his disappointments of maybe doing something that no Raptor has ever done. He has a chance to be the greatest Raptor all, all in all. All like beginning to end of career um, that we've ever seen, and that might not even be my favorite story in this team, right? <laughs> like, because you could look around. Pascal Siakam's been playing basketball for seven years, and as a second leading scorer, having a Scottie Pippen series in the NBA Finals in his first full year as a starter. Marcus Saul was an overweight kid whose dad, whose uh, older brother, was a great international player, and Marcus Saul turned himself into a great player as a second round pick. That might not be my favorite story, right? Like, you can go up and down. Like, Fred Van Vliet might be it. Like, because Fred is a guy, if you look at him, and when the Raptors first looked at him, he didn't have the foot speed. He's not super long. He's not going to jump over you. He's not super quick. And he believes in himself in a way that almost no other player does and has carried him to this, himself to this place through sheer intelligence, confidence, will, and presence, along with skill. And at this point in the finals is one of the most important Raptors because he's as close as the league has to a Steph Curry stopper. That's incredible. This is a guy who, again, is not a starter in this league and might not become one. There's an outside chance of that. And he has turned this series and has hit shots in this series in the last one that propelled the Raptors to where they are. And beyond all that, Masai Ujiri is an unbelievable story that we don't we kind of take for granted. He's the first ever president or general manager in the league from Africa, and it took a long, a lot for him to get from there to here. This is an awesome, interesting team without a player drafted higher than 50. And if they win, it's a lot of unlikely journeys culminating in the same place. Well said. Bruce, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Jim, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you. Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star. At Bruce underscore Arthur is the Twitter account. Up next, Blake Murphy. I hope we have some time before we say goodbye and make way for Leafs Lunch to talk about that money equation because it's just something that gets bent out of shape. But there is uh, some sense to it, even though there's probably more zeros than, than anybody would care to discuss. Coming up next, we'll have Blake Murphy from The Athletic. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.